listening to the home of cool, irreverent, and entertaining talk right here on L.A. Talk Radio. You're listening to The Art of Love with your host, Lucia, right here on L.A. Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to The Art of Love. My name is Lucia, I'm your host and a dating and relationship expert, and I'm here to entertain, educate, and enlighten you about love, dating, and relationships, answer your live calls, your emails, solve your late dating dilemmas, and speak to authors of books which I find interesting, and today is going to be a very good show. And I think we are going to get to some hardcore truths about dating and why everyone, most people, seem to be having problems in their dating lives. And so I will bring my caller, my author on. I think she's already on. Marianne, are you there? I'm here. I thought I had you on hold. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) I didn't say anything bad. (laughs) So anyways, uh, welcome. Uh, The book is Hindsight. What you need to know before you drop your drawers, and of course the author is Marianne Camarado, is that right? Camarado, Camarado, yes. Camarado, because I, I know how to pronounce it in Italian, which would be Comaroto. Si, Comaroto, but right? in Japanese it would be Comaroto, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm often mistaken for, yeah, that, which is cool, you know, that's okay too. Yeah, that could be Japanese. So actually, you know, I um, you don't know this, but I actually heard you speak a few years ago at the Whole Life Expo. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, when did you, we did we meet Lucia? No, no, we didn't. Uh, but hey, we're meeting now. <laughs> Excellent! Well, I was happy to have you in my audience, and I'm sure of it. <laughs> yeah, and um, and I remember uh, that you were promoting your other book, um, Tall, Rich, and Skinny, or something like that. Skinny, tan, and rich: <laughs> Unveiling the Myth. Yes. Okay, and um. And 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 then you talked about yourself about uh, going you know, going back to Italy, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, wow, I feel like she's a kindred spirit. Like we seem like we had lived, you know, very similar lives. Right, definitely some parallels. Right, and I remember, you know, you had said Liv, that you lived in um, in Italy. Now you just remind me it was Lugano, and you had some interesting stories there, which I will get to in a minute. Yes. <laughs> um, and uh, but anyways, your background is for more than 20 years in over 120 countries. Relationship expert and author Marianne Camarotto has helped people create beauty, um, no, not beauty, <laughs> sorry, well, well, well maybe beauty, yeah, sure, there. why not, you're beautiful <laughs> and you help, <laughs> okay, you. you've also created healthy, fulfilling, sustainable relationships, Marianne is an in-demand guest on TV and radio talk shows, her own weekly live radio show reaches millions of listeners around the world, so welcome. Thank you so much for having me here, I'm very excited. Yes, this will be interesting, so, mm-hmm. um, Now, you say that you wrote the book for anyone who's come to rationalize inappropriate behavior as a way of of, of life. Is that true? Is that why you wrote the book? It's one of the reasons for sure. I think because, uh, well, there's several. My top three, that would be one of them. Absolutely. Uh, You know, feeling like that we have to pretend to be somebody we're not in order to be loved. Feeling like we either have to make ourselves small, dumb ourselves down 
be low maintenance when we're high, be more loving and forgiving when we're not. You know, for anyone who's trying to uh, alter some version of the truth of who they are in order to get love, that's definitely one of the main thrusts, the reason that I wrote the book. The other is, uh, for uh, six of the uh, stories in the book are about students of mine whose stories span betrayal and murder. And for me, this is a very, very serious part of this conversation, with, which is when we don't love ourselves, when we don't know what we want, when we don't interview well, when we don't know how to responsibly communicate and create conscious agreements, uh, we put ourselves in harm's way. Uh, sometimes that shows up in the form of a 26-year relationship that you didn't want to be in in the first place. You were pregnant. You were going to make the best of it. You have sex when you don't want to. You're, you're, you're an emotional hostage. You're being a financial hostage. You're keeping yourself jailed for all of the above, etc. Or for many other reasons, you're in a, a domestic violent situation or um, it, this is a, a, a model of uh, maybe an alcoholic uh, relationship just like you grew up in. I mean, there's all of these unconscious reasons that I like to address that are not, that for me, uh, the healthiest way to enter into a fulfilling, sustainable relationship. Uh, and the third of which is just plain old, you know, wanting, uh, you know, the, the happily ever after fix that so many of us are addicted to. Mm-hmm. I wrote that this book to help um, disenchant us from something that's really toxic in my experience, in my own life, and, and many of my clients over the last 20 years, and and um, invite some alternative ways of hooking up, you know, ways that really uh, foster, bring out the best in us, right? We like it, the best version of ourselves, if you want to say. So those are the top three reasons I wrote the book. Wow. Well, those are great reasons. You know, and after reading the book, uh, you know, you talk about um, people, you know, being asleep and waking up to the truth. And so I thought of this quote by Winston Churchill. And he said, men occasionally stumble over the truth but most of them pick themselves up and hurry off as if nothing happened. <laughs> <That's> great. <laughs> I, didn't, yes. I didn't know it was going to make you laugh. <laughs> yes, um, we do. Yeah, and I think, so that's why I wanted to say that quote because I think that the people who read your book and the people who are listening to this, I hope that they, you know, they will wake up during this uh, interview and during reading the book, and I hope that they can stay as awake for as long as possible because when you fall back into that dream state, where yeah. you're enchanted as opposed to what you mentioned earlier, disenchanted, you're going to make all these mistakes that we're trying to prevent. And you have to remember to stay awake. Yeah, and let's qualify what a mistake is, at least probably from both our perspectives, Lucia being a, a fellow healer. Um, a mistake I would characterize as something that causes myself or someone else harm. Um, in you know, on a scale from a, a paper cut to open heart surgery, there's certainly varying degrees of harm, but not a mistake from the standpoint of a way to beat ourselves up or separate ourselves out, um, living on this very sort of um, moral path. I'm not interested mm-hmm. in that. Yeah. I'm interested in making the distinctions between having a soulful, healthy, fulfilling relationship versus one that. You know, we do ourselves harm, repeated harm, or, or, you know, including other folks in that process, a dangerous, a potentially life-threatening process, yeah? Yeah, I mean, obviously, and we do the harm to ourselves and others because we're 
not uh, enlightened enough to not do it. You know, obviously, what we know now, we didn't know five years ago, ten years ago. Otherwise, we would have done things differently. Right. Well, one of the, one of the things I really enjoyed about uh, the process of writing this book is I tried to remember all the different places I've been in my life, my my own levels of awareness, however fleeting they felt at the time. And I tried to write this book from a the kind of um, some absolute truths, if if there are such things, right? Mm-hmm. And and truths that could uh, resonate and even penetrate the the greatest uh, degree of unconsciousness for anybody. So, in other words, this book uh, uh, contains tools that doesn't really matter where you're at on your path. You could be somebody just for the first time thinking, "Wow, I've never been a self-help person." but I'd like to, you know, apply some skills, learn something new about relationship to the person who's been a sannyasin for 30 years, maybe followed a a great master who has a great deal of self-knowledge but might be getting tripped up in one of the other areas. So I I tried to uh, offer tools that uh, would span the gamut and take really sophisticated material and boil it down, bring it home, and, you know, getting on first base, second base, you know, uh, Etc. And have this book be a guide, a study guide versus a, a you know one shot deal, a, a one night stand. You know, right. like some books for me are one night yes, stands. Yes, that's true. I dig on them. <laughs> I wake up and something occurs to me, and I go, "Wow, that's fantastic." And I love those books. I've read over two thousand books in my my self help career, my searching. Uh, for what, you know, uh, the empty hole I had inside, uh-huh. trying to fix it, right? Yes. So everything would be okay. But this book I, I designed, so it could be one of those books that, you know, next year you might pick up, or 10 years from now, or, you know, you're you're considering getting out of a marriage, you're considering getting into a relationship, you're just getting out of high school, you're 85 in the retirement home, and forgot what it's like to interview. You know, it's sort of like this 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 guide that we didn't get at birth in a way. Certainly, uh, there are great w- works out there right now, a lot of folks doing this work on the planet. Uh, mine has its own particular style. I'm pretty direct. But again, I, I wanted more of a study guide type of deal. Right. I'm, I'm direct, too. That's why I loved reading it. <laughs> get to the truth. <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah. yeah. See? Now, um, in your own love life, you said it spanned from betrayal to murder. What was the murder part? Well, not in my own love oh, life. Those okay. are my students of oh, my okay. uh, stories of my students. I I took one of the stories is my own, and obviously I'm alive, so nobody killed me. Although I have had uh, somebody stick a gun in my right, mouth. Right, that's what I was asking um, about. What happened? Yeah. Well, let's see. I was in my twenties, and um, for me, and I think for a lot of us. Um, I believed chemistry was a really great litmus test for uh, the degree of uh, compatibility I might have with someone, right? Mm-hmm. It, like if, if you really rang my bell on a chemistry level, the, the greater degree uh, of chemistry, the, the more likely I believed that this relationship could be the one, right? If you really turned me on, if I couldn't sleep, if I couldn't yeah. eat, if I couldn't get you out of my mind, yes. if I was obsessive, if I was insecure sitting by the phone, these were all things that I 
believed, I learned, I saw around me in the movies, my parents, all my friends, all of it was reinforced, uh, you know, that I figured, wow, I must really be in love. I'm sick. I can't breathe. I've lost all respect and touch with myself. <laughs> I must be in love, <laughs> right? <Sounds> wonderful. <laughs> right? So at 21, I guess, um, I followed a boy over to Europe and, uh, you know, my own particular... <sighs> been on my life story is I, I grew up in a, an alcoholic family and which goes goes along with that for so many of us touched by that family disease. I was very codependent, had struggled with some of my own um, uh, addiction issues uh, and uh, had managed to escape that, which was great. I, I recovered from that and I'm so grateful. Um, but had not really dealt with some of my core issues, were which were codependence, you know. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I thought, of course, I'm going to fly to Europe, live happily ever after with this Italian boy who barely spoke English. God bless him, and uh, bless his heart. Yeah, those Italian <laughs> I boys. I love my southern girlfriend. <laughs> oh, bless his heart. Um, so I followed him over there. I learned to speak Italian at least conversationally, and he was a. Um, uh, drug-dependent guy, um, met him in rehab. He wasn't my uh, caseload per se, but I did work with him. Um, I lost my job over that. I am telling you, to Mm -hmm. the degree that, you know, I felt this desire to save, rescue, heal, take on uh, a case, like a project with, with men started quite early on, and this was no different. But, but I did leave the country in any event, um, at one point, um, and, you know, those of you who aren't familiar with the sort of lunacy that goes along with drugs and drug addicts and all that kind of really severe unconsciousness, at one point, um, he didn't like, I locked him out of the house and, you know, he thought it would be dramatic to take a loaded gun, pull the trigger and, and stick it in my mouth. And at that time, I think I was so, you know, I grew up pretty fast. So by the time I was 21, I had been around the proverbial block mm-hmm. enough times to have been exposed to a lot of violence uh, already, a lot of um, a lot of things that many people don't get exposed to. So I simply said, you know what, with a gun in my mouth, and if I say it, it'll be inaudible, but essentially imagine me with a gun, the shaft of a gun sticking in my mouth, and I said, if you're going to stick it in my mouth, you better pull the trigger or run. And I, that's how, you know, how yeah. angry I was. Mm-hmm. But uh, the thing is, is, you know, even that dramatic story illustrates what? Like, what is someone like me who is working in the field, like the wounded healer, it's a classic story, mm-hmm. uh, doing with someone so unhealthy? Well, it was just an example, of, of an absolute reflection of my very low self-esteem and, and sense of self-worth. You know, we, we seek lower companions. That way we think we're going to be in control. This is a story that, by the way, doesn't always only apply to drug addiction. I mean, this is a very common story for women with low self-esteem. Mm-hmm. We attract lower companions with all due respect, people who aren't on a path, people who aren't respectful, who aren't loving, who don't treat us well because they reflect how we, you know, feel about ourselves, all the imprinting we had as children, etc. So, you know, then uh, what happened was I, I had um, a, a, another form of an awakening, which I had been on my path, my spiritual path since I was 16. I had another opportunity to wake up and deal with some more codependent issues. I left that relationship. I was escorted uh, back to the United States um, in a very dramatic way wow. with my, you know, um, and was like, wow, okay, I don't think I want to do that again, right? Mm-hmm. So 
my next relationship, I thought, you know, I'm not going to do the alcoholic thing again, right? And mm-hmm. so I got involved with someone who had a uh, a sex addiction, which I didn't even know what that was. So, you know, I, I bring up these things just because from unconsciousness and when we haven't healed ourselves or taken care to to really feel, heal, and deal with our core issues, life always only ever reflects what our highest truth is. So it's not even to say if you're listening out there that, you know, you can do a lot of work on yourself and still be attracting people that you're scratching your head thinking, wow, how did I attract this? I love myself. I like myself. I don't mind spending time alone. And here's this guy, you know, who, like I just saw that on the Oprah show, guy gave me AIDS. Wow, how did I miss that? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So this is a really serious conversation, and it's not a rhetorical question, Lucia. You know, how is it that we can be who we are, uh, armed with some tools or, you know, some self-respect and attract these situations? Well, Here's my simple and clear answer to that. Um, When I realized that everything and everyone in my real inner circle was a reflection of my my truth, Mm -hmm. I really woke up. And I got that I was responsible, that the only common denominator in my life was me. And I really took that to heart and just took it on on a whole other level and dove in with even greater fervor. Um, Certainly not a a smooth road ahead. I've definitely taken the scenic route to relationship enlightenment. Um, We all have. I'm a little slow. (laughs) (laughs) But when I get it, I really get it. Right, right, me too. (laughs) You know, Uh, but I I really got that. I really got that truth that that if I want to create something outside of myself, I need to attend to it inside of myself. Not the answer I wanted to hear, but I knew the truth of it. And then and then what I realized is, um, like most people on a path, we stay awake to the degree that we practice, that we've got a daily practice, right? Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, it just sort of, uh, that awakened state only comes around usually through pain or some kind of suffering versus a conscious effort to stay true to what's most important and mo- most real for us. Right. So you mentioned that you have to love yourself before you can truly love someone else and be loved back. And, you know, everyone, yeah. everyone always says that, you know, love yourself, love yourself. But can you give us like, some concrete examples of what that looks like? Because, you know, what yeah. does that look like? <laughs> Absolutely. As a matter of fact, the first tool in my relationship tool belt is the mirror and it represents self-love. So, yes, while we illustrated the idea, the concept, the the context for health, um, uh, becoming internally referenced versus being externally referenced, what that looks like specifically, the number one thing uh, for me, and I've interviewed a lot of uh, awakened masters that are roaming the planet today and teachers and so on, um, is, uh, and I'm going to say it real simple, it's having a daily practice of self-care. Mine is I have seven essential truths that I live by. I, I listen to my body. Mm-hmm. I put good things in my body. I move my body. I put only good things in my mind whenever possible. I surround myself with supportive people. I keep my eye on the ball, and I pray for guidance. 
that's my daily practice. And when I'm out of whack or left of center or fallen off the horse, one of those seven things for me I'm not attending to. So it's real simple for me. That's how I love myself. I keep my, uh, you know, and I can run down those things and break them down for you, but uh, by the way, I have magnets that I made that are so beautiful. I'm happy if you're listening and you want a magnet with those seven essential oh. truths on it. Email me. Is this okay, Lucia? Sure, sure. Inf- info at maryannelive.com, M-A-R-Y-A-N-N-E, live.com. If you're out of the United States and you're listening, um, you know, give us a little bit of time to get it to you, but we're happy to send you one of those, uh, as many as we've got left. Um, that is how I love myself. That is how I teach my students to, I invite you to have a daily practice. Cause here's the thing with you, I don't know if you find this is true for you, mm-hmm. but we living in this fast food, Western culture, we have just this really intense entitlement mentality. We believe that if somebody gives us the secret, all we need to do is invest. Five- Hello? Uh, we're Hello? Still here. Yeah, we're still here. Hello? Uh-oh. Don't know what's going on. Hello? Are you there? Yep. Okay, I'm okay. here. I don't okay. know what happened. I don't know what happened there, gang. Gremlins. I didn't touch anything. But yeah, I here. didn't either. Hi. I'm listening intently. We, we've got the telephone ghost. So what happens is um, that, you know, we, we don't have a daily practice because we have been... Um, over the years, gradually, particularly um, since the, the, the great onset of the media now, right? Everywhere we go, we have this barrage of, of concepts and ideas and people's opinions and whatnot at us every day. And we've lost touch with listening to our being internally referenced. So we all, so many of us bought into that, hey, you can have whatever you want. All you have to do is write it down and intend it, and then God will just bring it to you. So the the funny thing is, is so many people out there have figured out by now that that's not the secret. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that the secret, part of the secret is about intention. It's a really huge part, and it's a physics law. But the other part is uh, doing the work to be a clean vessel to receive, yes. right? To receive, mm-hmm. to love yourself enough to be, to feel worthy enough, because otherwise the gifts won't get to you, and if they do, we'll destroy them. Look at the last really great thing that came into your life, or a relationship even, and if you don't love yourself, you'll, you'll destroy it. You'll drive the person away. You won't believe they love you. You'll start a fight. That's what we do. Uh, the, the system, we're a system, the human being, a body-mind-spirit system, and a system reorganizes itself to the highest available truth. So it doesn't matter how many affirmations you have or how many mm-hmm. intentions you have set, if mm-hmm. you really believe you don't deserve this, it doesn't matter how much you want it, it will elude you until we do the real work, which is the first step. And everything's predicated on that. All the masters have said it. I didn't make it up. It's just one of those resounding, irrefutable truths, you know? So it's not a cliche. Like so you said, it's it's the work. If, if you don't believe you deserve it, then how do you change that mindset? Yeah, every day mm. you have a daily practice. Mm-hmm. And depending on how much damage or how much wounding or trauma, for me there was a lot, um, was the degree uh, that I needed to do the work. My, I, I took it on as a full-time job. 
the most important thing for me to do is to apply my daily practice every day so I could heal, feel, and deal with whatever was inside of me that was a, a truth that I didn't aspire to. So more specifically, for example, um, the how-to is to read about it, find a, a plan of action that attends to the deep wounds the traumas, the withheld love, the 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 uh, low self-esteem, uh, and stick to it every day. It's not like the 50-yard dash. You know, it's a lifelong, continual, daily practice. And to the degree we practice it, we reap the rewards. Look at the Buddhist culture, man. They so get it. Every day you wake up, you chop wood, carry water on the <laughs> side. Yes. But every day is, you know, not that we're all ready for the aesthetic path, but the deal is, is to the degree we work on ourselves and attend these things that come up in a context that we, we all get to choose, whatever our daily practice is, but have one, go get one, follow a teacher, create a teaching, follow it all the way down the rabbit hole, unearth these wounds, heal, and in the meantime, yeah, live your life, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but... That's, for me, this, you know, I'm not selling fast food, and you can't buy God. And the truth is, is so many of us have tried so many things, and we keep coming up with the same answer, and we think it's something we're not doing right. No, it's not about doing. It's about who we're being, really, the truth. Underneath what's fake, underneath all the pretending, underneath all of the posturing, all of the the gab that we all like to say, oh, yeah, I, I love myself, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I I call BS on so much of that. You know, so many of us are frightened, Mm -hmm. depressed, anxious, taking lots of medication or self-medicating or or um, self-prescribing or um, self-diagnosing, which is all one way to go. I don't have any judgment about it, but uh, what I notice is is that, that the people that really have what I want follow a pretty disciplined daily practice. As a matter of fact, I just interviewed a guy who I love. He's a Roshi. His name is John Tarrant, and uh, he's an Eastern philosophy guy, and he studies um, koans and teaches them. Really brilliant. And I said, hey, John, one thing you could say to anybody on the planet that you think would change their life, what is it? And he said, without hesitation, have a daily practice. And let me just make another thing abundantly clear. For folks, that doesn't mean sitting down on a pillow for two minutes a day and then expecting your whole life <laughs> to unfold, that, that the, in right. the bank will be $10 million, that the perfect person will show up at the door, that, that Hollywood's going to say, oh, my God, they call, I've been looking for you my whole life. That, if you think that's successful, that's, that's one way to go. Um, but this is like about a vigilant daily practice in every moment trying to be present to the truth of who you are. You know, anything less than that, guess what you get? Mm-hmm. Less than that. Absolutely. So, you know, you also talk about a prescription for love. And, of course, mm-hmm. you know, you mentioned making a list, which we've all heard of by now. But then you go one step further and you say to make a second list of the traits you're looking for in someone. Yeah which you yeah. don't have yet. So what about, um, say, you know, I mean, everybody wants someone wealthy, okay? So if a woman is not wealthy, uh, but she wants someone wealthy, then does she need to become wealthy in order to get someone wealthy? Well, there's a couple of ways I would approach that. Um, interesting, what is it that you think wealth will give you would be a great exercise, a great self-love prescription. Uh, and then just 
gain some clarity around wealth because I can assure you if if you're not clear, you could certainly manifest someone who's wealthy, but they might have a prenup. They're not going to give you any of it. Do you think wealthy people just roll up and go, hey, here's all my money, babe. Go shopping. I love you, honey. And and I don't need to consult with you about any of it. I've worked my whole life just so I can give you all my money, right? Uh-huh. That, that just really doesn't happen. <laughs> no. And that's like, wake up. That's just an illusion, and that's fine. Yeah. Uh, but the truth is, is what are you really wanting from the money? Ask yourself that. Mm-hmm. And when the other part of that, the other side of that is, um, why do you feel like that someone else needs to create the wealth and not you? Do you feel like that you're not talented enough? Um, you just don't want to do what it takes to create that? You know, just find out what the truth is. And the, and the closer to the truth you get, the more likely you will be clearer on manifesting what you actually want. Because I, I run through this with a lot of people. They'll say, I want money. Because every client who walks in my door, I ask them two things. Uh, what do you want and what are you willing to do about it? And most people have the ideas of what they want. But when I really uh, explore with them what they want, uh, there's a deepening, uh, a real truth to what do you want? What are you willing to do about it? What are you willing to do to get um, money? And then how much money is enough money? And most people haven't even thought about that. And then they'll throw out an arbitrary number, $10 million. I go, wow, is that real for you? Can you see yourself with $10 million? Have you even seen a million dollars? What's the most money you've ever had? How? Here's the thing about money that's very interesting. I want to do a program called The Money Cleanse, by the way, because uh-huh. I think so many of us have, we've watched too much TV and seen too many movies uh-huh. about money, uh-huh. right? Sure. Interesting imprinting. But I say to people, you know, what is your reality on money? Because the truth about money is, Money just makes you more of who you are. So if you think that having a whole lot of money is going to make you happy, no, it's just going to give you more of what you've already got, just more of it. So if you don't know how to manage small amounts of money, you're not going to be able to manage big amounts of money. It doesn't work like that. If your ducks aren't in a row, they're not going to be in a row. And and if you've got a rescue me fantasy going, you're just going to play that out in a really big kind of way. I've seen it happen with women all the time. They load up to some rich guy. Mm And he likes her because she's selling sexy. She likes him because he's selling uh, security. And they do this kind of uh, trade, which is pretty, pretty, you know, um, historically it's it's typical, atypical, mm-hmm. and, and not atypical. It's typical in a kind of way. But uh, uh, ultimately, in unconsciousness, whatever brings us together will bring us apart. So the invitation is just to explore, really look at what about what money do you want? And the last part, uh, the, the way I'll answer the question, Lucia, is to say, you know, it's really beautiful when you take a look at your relationship with money, um, your fears about it, your hopes about it, how your parents were with money, and to heal up some of that too because when we do, we create more flow in our life and we become uh, less likely to put the pressure on our relationship to create for ourselves uh, what we actually could create on our own. And then we bring that strength to partnership versus a kind of dependence. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So going back to, you said, you know, the people in your life are a reflection of who you are. What about cheating? Because, <clears throat> again, um, someone may end up being with a cheater, but they themselves were never cheat. So what yeah, do they need to look at? Yeah, yeah. Good question. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, so what does that person need to look at? Well, let's let's. I'm um, imagining you're talking about the person who 
um, is very caring and loving and and maybe even naive and wouldn't, you know, be suspicious or think that somebody's cheating and all of a sudden they've got three kids they and their husband comes home one day and they've been sleeping with their secretary, right? Mm-hmm. And they leave, right? This is not an uncommon scenario. Or even somebody dating. And you're like, oh my God, I've never cheated. I would never do that right. to you. How did this happen right. to me? Well, there's two things that typically happen here. Two things that are happening. Maybe even three. The first and the most interesting is that we haven't done our homework well. Typically, if we, when we first meet someone, if we troll around in someone's relationship history and we've taken care and we don't get physical with them right away, we do what I call the interviewing, right? We use the tool called the flashlight. We watch what people say and what they do over a period of time and make sure they match. We find out what that person's relationship is uh, with their family of origin. Did their father cheat? What kind of marriage did they have? What was their relationship like with their last partner? Was there cheating involved? Did your own father cheat? Have you healed that? Do you believe all men cheat? You know, we have to look at what our beliefs around it are because whatever we believe about it will draw to us. So it's not like this sophomoric idea that if he cheats, I cheat. It's really we've got to explore like an investigator or an archaeologist into our past, our partners, our potential partners' past, um, and look at what what this person has done historically, unconsciously. And then the 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 other thing that we want to do is also uh, really take a look at um, what we uh, want or project onto the other person in need, and and it's difficult to negotiate that. Um, after the fact. In other words, if you're looking for a monogamous relationship where someone um, has integrity and if he was going to cheat uh, would come to you first, then you want to find out that the person you're with has that kind of um, skill set mm-hmm. and integrity before you um, get physically involved. And that's masterwork. You know, most of us just think, oh, I'm in love. He's He loves me. Let's just go with the flow and see what happens and we'll deal with the aftermath later. That's the most common way to approach relationship. Did that answer your question? Yeah, and it's probably the worst way to approach relationships. Yeah, it's, it is. It's it's not, it's not um, if I were a betting person, it's not a place I would hedge my bet. You know, I think the more that we slow down, uh, trust ourselves, connect with the divine, our guidance, uh, our our divinity, our intuition, uh, the more time we take to really uh, interview someone. Here's a great little story I'll throw out there. There's a gal. She was married, took a a 10-year hiatus from dating and so on to raise her kids. And then she thought, okay, I'm ready, I'm ready. She, uh, she's got this little shop. This man came in every morning for a year. She felt like they were getting intimate and close, getting to know him. And then she thought, you know, I think I'm ready. This is the kind of man I want to be with. He was a professional. Um, you know, she knew what she thought were all the right things about him. He obviously was interested in her every morning. There he was, et cetera, et cetera. She approached him, and she said, hey, let's, let's get together. Let's have coffee. And he said out loud, are you crazy? I'm married. <laughs> right? Are you crazy? I'm married. How did how do we miss that one? Oops. Well, ladies, I've got and gentlemen, I've got 14 questions in my book at minimum that we want to ask somebody and make sure what they say and what they do adds up, right? Yes. Are you single and available? How do I know that if I see you on match.com um, you know, 
two weeks after we've been dating and you told me you're an exclusive kind of guy, we've had sex and you want to be with me yet, I just saw you on match last night. Mm-hmm. What does that tell you? Don't right. tell yourself a story. It tells you he's lying. You know, yes. walks like a duck, talks like a duck, move on, you know? Uh, I you know, actually like that. have a marriage story. Um, this woman I know, she was dating this guy who she thought was single, and so she called him up one day, and she was just joking around. She's like, hey, how are you doing? How are the wife and kids? And he paused, and he said, how'd you find out I was married? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Wow, right? That's a great so way to... You f- want to come out of the gate with these kind of questions, ladies. Yes. As a matter of fact, I recommend that everybody have their top three non-negotiables before they even give out their precious phone number. And then beyond that, your, you know, your private parts, your yoyoni, whatever you want to call, your down south, your most <laughs> sacred part, you ought to have... We've got passwords for everything. You ha- ought to have a, a passcode to get in there that is so difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, in other words, you know, th- this is not something that we want to share with someone who isn't going to treat us with the utmost love and respect. And when we do, that's when we get into trouble, you know? I know. In fact, you said that sex is the major culprit and the primary obstacle standing between our success and failure in mm-hmm. relationships. I agree because, well, you know, we get all hot and heavy and we place so much emphasis on that. As a matter of fact, uh, Helen Fisher did a study. She she studied, I think, I want to say if I'm wrong, Helen, well, you can spank me later, but I think she studied 200,000 people. And this is a huge study. Most studies are, you know, in the the hundreds of people um, that qualify, but she studied over 200,000 people in the area of chemistry. And she found all these different chemistry types. But bottom line, when I pressed her, chemistry is only an indicator of two things. First of which is that you and the person you have chemistry have the greatest likelihood of creating an offspring, a child, that has um, the greatest likelihood of survival. Your DNA is so dissimilar. That's why you get all hot and heavy to the degree you're panting and your heart's beating and Mm -hmm. all that stuff just means they're sending your chemistry, your body chemistry, the pheromones are sending signals to your brain saying, yes, 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 your babies were, are more likely to survive. Okay, well, if you want to have babies but don't want to have a great relationship, I say rock on with yourselves. You know what I mean? Go for it. Know the game you're in. But if you want chemistry and compatibility, and Helen and I talked about this, you want to slow down and do your homework to make sure that all the other stuff matches, which most of us don't do. We assume that that really intense feeling that we've become addicted to is love. Here's the other reason that somebody rings your bells. Scarier still, it's called a psychological pattern identification. It's your love imprint. If you learned early on that love looks like uh, mom and dad fight all the time, dad leaves, they make up, break up, he's an alcoholic, whatever that imprint is, that was particularly if it was a traumatic one, you will keep recreating that dynamic. Dad leaves, the husband, you know, your husband leaves, your boyfriend's leaving, dad cheated, your boyfriend's cheat. You know, whatever the story was, that psychological imprint, it, unless it's attended to, and um, awareness is brought to it, that's another reason that you will, you know, uh, have a kind of connection with someone. It doesn't mean they're a good choice for you. They're just familiar in some old part of your brain. So how do you get through that? Well, education, right? 
Mm-hmm. These are master skills. So many of us have a plan, Lucia, for everything else. You learn four languages. It's not like uh, many people do that in our culture today. But you may, uh, did you learn that as an adult or as a child? Uh, well, I, since I was born in Italy, I knew how to speak Italian first. Uh, and then I studied French in school, and then the Spanish self-taught. Okay. So uh, most of the, anything we learn takes time. We have a plan, for example, if we learn it as an adult. The other things were just imprinted printed as children, just as you illustrated. You learned Italian because that's what your parents taught you, but then you made a decision to learn another language in school. There are certain things we do. We have a plan. You go to school, you take the tests, and then you evolve and you learn more and more information. Just like higher education, right? If you want to be successful in a career or a business, you, you create a business business plan. Uh, Most of us have plans for everything, but we don't have a relationship plan. And that's what I'm hoping these six tools that you can turn into skills become. They help you identify who you are, what you want, um, and what you're willing to do about it and teach you the basic skills that are fundamental to attracting and creating a healthy, fulfilling, sustainable relationship. Because without a plan, we just shoot from whatever was imprinted or we run the chemistry gig and we keep getting disappointed, scratching our heads, thinking, wow, what was that? And how did I do that again? Mm-hmm. How did I miss that, right? Yeah, and that's why, as I said earlier in the program, I'm hoping that people that hear this, they <clears throat> wake up and follow, well, read the book, get the book and follow it because otherwise, you know, eventually they're going to get it, but it might take five years, 10 years, 15 years. It's like, how much time do you want to waste? Yeah. What's it worth you? For me, at one at some point, I thought, I want the good stuff and I'm not willing to settle. And, you know, I'm not saying that I didn't have the good stuff. I mean the good stuff inside and out, right? Yeah. Starting with myself. I'm going to, you know, here's the other thing I, I really want to say. I, a lot of clients and students when I teach workshops will say, you know, the, the common complaints. Well, he didn't listen to me and he this and he that and he, he, blah, blah, blah. And I say, well, when was the last time you gave yourself that, right? Same thing, back to the money thing. You want, we want so much from other people, like children in a very childlike way, yet we don't give those things to ourselves. I guarantee you, if you're attending to your own needs, when you love yourself, when, you, when we listen to ourselves, when we respect ourselves, so will they. If somebody's showing up in your life and you are booty call or you are disrespected or you are whatever you are, somewhere inside you, you believe that that's what you're worth or you wouldn't accept it. It's not them. No, this is a free country, yet we find ourselves imprisoned by our past, by our programming, by our lack of education in this area, and that is my my greatest passion is to help educate us. So like you said, Lucia, so we don't have to waste our precious time in a relationship that doesn't serve either one of us, bringing children up who are getting modeled that this way of being in relationship that is so unfulfilling and unhealthy and toxic. Yeah, in fact, you just mentioned uh, the compass. Well, I'm, you know, the tool you were talking about, the compass, is, you know, the blame game. Because it's so hard to look at yourself and see how you're treating yourself to understand that that's why the other person is reflecting that back to you. Uh, always, only ever. Yeah, that's exactly how it goes. Yeah. And it's not an easy pill to swallow. I know it's painful and uncomfortable. And 
I'll tell you, I can remember many times, particularly when I when I was most devoted to quote unquote loving myself and and really devoted to being internally referenced. I didn't want to spend one more moment in my life waiting for him to do or not do something that would bring me joy. In other words, I didn't want my my joy predicated, my safety, my security, my happiness predicated on anyone outside of me ever again. So I sought the one thing that no one could ever take away from me, no one could negotiate from me, no one could, with one sentence and the relationship, I was looking for the alpha, the omega, the thing at the foundation of everything, and that was me and my relationship with the divine. And I sat on this beautiful pillow that I had and sat with myself as corny and cliche as it sounds it was not I sat with myself I listened to myself I cried I held myself I loved myself I pet my own head I took myself for walks and I, and I honestly not just once on a regular basis I gave myself with full abandon the time and attention and love and devotion. I even married myself, Lucia. Mm-hmm. I had a, a wedding ceremony way before. I mean, I've heard a couple of people over the years talk about this. This was years ago. I had a ceremony. I bought a ring. I made myself a ring. I wrote vows. And, and it was absolutely divine because I knew in all, every fiber of my being, to the degree, if I ever wanted to be in a great relationship, that I was going to have to for real give myself what I wanted, or here was the scary part, I knew I would just attract the same thing I'd already had. So I got off that bus and got on a different train and headed towards, you know, the inside-out version, the as above, so below. And I even said to myself, hey, okay, God, if it's me and you, this is the best it gets. I had a purpose. Remember I said, keep your eye on a ball. Mm -hmm. My work has been purposeful, soulful. My friends, my relationships with my family have done my best to heal, feel, and deal with those. I try to keep everything current. My beautiful child and I have a deep, rich, fulfilling relationship. And my life was, was good. And the relationship that eventually did come along was just a bonus for me and still is today. He's a blessing. He's not the love of my life. I am. And vice versa. Wow. <laughs> Very well said. Um, you know, yeah, talking about earlier asking the questions, you know, a few months ago, I would have been one of those people who had said, oh, no, I can't ask these questions because then he'll think I want a relationship. But right. uh, <laughs> <laughs> That is hilarious, you know, right? Because we're not supposed to want a relationship. We're just supposed to, oh, no, no, we'll just tiptoe along, la, 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 and hope it yeah. happens. And uh, but then, you know, some things have happened this year that really woke me up and shook me up. And now it's like, I can't wait to get out there and start asking, hey, are you married and are you looking for a relationship? Yeah. And this isn't the Spanish Inquisition. It's so (laughs) funny. You know, these poor guys are out there going, geez, you know, here's the deal with guys. They're pretty straightforward for the most part, depending on the wounding and so on, like all of us. But one of my girlfriends told me a story that I always use as an example. She knew she was ready to get married. And have kids and so she decided like I did when I wanted to be in relationship to create a plan and out of integrity after she had dated and if she felt like she was going to get physical with someone she made sure to have the following conversation hey I'm really enjoying our time together I want you to know I want a family and kids it's not like it needs to happen today I'm not even sure that's with you 
but I want to know where you're at with that. And interestingly, of the two guys she was dating, uh, one of them absolutely was completely not wanting that at all for himself, which was fine. He respected her honesty. The other one absolutely wanted it. Neither one of them was the man she married just a year later who uh, showed up, and they've been together for 26 years. She's one of my dearest friends. I respected that about her, and it's a self-esteem issue. She didn't fake it. She didn't use sexy to trap the guy. That's another thing women do. Mm-hmm. We think that we'll use sexy and sexy on them. Look at ladies. That's the oldest trick in the book, and for every sexy you're doing, there's 10 women younger, cuter, faster, and harder than you are, and they're going to be right behind you running sexy. So if, that, if you think that's your trump card, I highly, think, I highly recommend you find another investment because that's not going to make the long haul. Eventually, you're, everybody's ass is going to start sliding down their leg, and we're all going to get wrinkles, and if you want to go into the twilight years, you've got to have a, a better – got to bring your A game. And sexy is not your A game. It's part of who you are, but it's not all of who you are, right? So bringing the truth out is important. And that involves knowing what you want, which comes along as we learn to love ourselves. Like, hey, one of my girlfriends just started dating, and she goes, you know, I used to think I really wanted a rich guy when it turned out. I want a simple life. I want a nest egg in this amount. I want this, I want that, I want to be able to travel, I don't want to be, t- I mean, she got so clear, and then boom, the guy showed up. When we get really clear and stop living in the fantasy world, the rescue me fantasy, which so many of us women do, or heal our wounds and, and stop pretending, like you said, that we don't want relationships because we're going to trick somebody into being with us because we don't want to get hurt, mm-hmm. then we can actually get on with the business of the intimate, beautiful, remarkable dance. Of, of falling into mature love, which involves chemistry, getting to know, hand-holding, yes, gazing at each other, yes, thumping hearts. And, you know, I have a... Can I read this one bit out of my book um, that actually, I, we only I really, like, really How long love is it? Because I only have a, like a minute or two left. Oh, well, how about this? When you get the book, there's a part called Guys, Boys, Men. Oh, yes. And uh, if you're interested... Um, and just getting that free, email me, info at MarianneLive.com. Uh, and it really illustrates, are you interested in a boy, a guy, or a man? It's really, really great. So go on. That's what did, right, what yes. did you want to no, say? No, I want to say, uh, actually, that your website is, of course, HindsightBook.com. And I think people can also get an excerpt there from the book. That's right. And I've got MarianneLive.com, which tells you all about everything else that I do as well. Yes, and I also want to um, officially announce that you are the best guest I have had on my program so far. <laughs> you are absolutely adorable. I could kiss your face and squeeze you. Thank you, Lucia. That that was a really nice thing to yeah, say. Yeah, because you know some of the things you said, it's like I got to go back and listen and write them down because they were just so profound and so helpful. And um, you know, I really want everyone to get your book and to hear this show so they can finally, you know, as you say, wake up and have a great relationship. Oh. God bless your heart. When I'm in L.A., I will find you and hug you for that. Yes, That's just yes. a beautiful, Thank beautiful you. effort that you're doing in your own right, trying to get these messages out to people. God bless you for that. Right. Okay. Well, we'll you know we'll connect. I'll, I'll shoot you an email and uh, we'll connect when you're in town. But thank you so much for being on the show. It was great, of course. And, thank um, you. Thank you for having me, Lucia. And thanks, listeners, for taking care to tune in and love yourself. Okay. Talk to you soon. Take care. Bye. Okay, and now it's time for me to go. Thank you so much for listening. 
My website, of course, is theartoflove.net. And uh, until next time, remember that love inspires, empowers, uplifts, and enlightens. You're listening to The Art of Love with your host, Lucia, right here on L.A. Talk Radio.